Hello and welcome to the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. You are listening to Cards Subject to Change. I am your co-host, the Wizard CZ. With me as always, the Honorable Nick Bull. Nick, how are you tonight? Hey, Monday night, as we're taping, it's no secret, we're taping on Monday night. I'm happy Monday's over. I don't know about you, Wizard, but I am happy Monday's over. But I'm not saying this is a bad thing. This podcast is a great thing, but I'm happy Monday's behind us, brother. I completely understand. Uh, I'm a little salty that we're recording during Raw, but at the same time, both of our schedules did not really mesh well today. So uh, the only thing that I really want to see on Raw, which I'm recording it, is whether Ciampa wins the U.S. title or not. Yeah, I, that's that's a lot of buzz behind him right now, and, and, and rightfully so. He was a guy um, who kind of got lost in the shuffle once NXT lost the black and gold and went fluorescent, if you will. Um, a guy who uh, was well-respected and called upon many times to work in the ring, worked good programs, had some great programs with Gargano when they teamed as DIY and made a great uh, – he had a couple different title runs, but – uh, a guy that uh, definitely, I guess you could consider one of Triple H's guys, is uh, starting to get some uh, push on the main roster. And I think that's fantastic. And that's that's on our list. I don't want to spend too much time, uh, like we talked about off-air, discussing the, the current product, because we got a busy show tonight. Uh, but I think that's one of the key points we need to talk about, is Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, I agree. He completely got lost in the shuffle. Uh, he he did get a second title run. Uh, I thought that was very nice. The program with Braun Breaker uh, really made, really put a lot of shine on Breaker. Uh, he's really grown on me. I can't say the same thing for the paint splatter NXT, but <laughs> changes are, changes are coming from what I understand. Um, if Tommaso wins the title, to me, the next logical step is for Triple H to do everything he can to get Johnny Gargano back in the WWE and put a program between him and Ciampa. Well, I would second that. But I think Triple H has done a pretty good job so far in just a few days on the job, Wizard. And I think you'll agree, though it's not official, widely rumored Sasha Banks has re-signed. We both talked about her being probably Triple H's highest priority. Yeah. It's great Champa's getting featured, but I thought his next biggest priority was to go out and get Karrion Cross. and lo and behold, if you stuck around and watched SmackDown on Friday night, you were treated to quite the surprise, and a good surprise, having Karrion Cross come back in. I, I 100% agree. I, I don't always watch the main roster shows to their full extent. I will usually dip out an hour to an hour and a half in because I'm either tired or I'm just bored with the product. I stuck around through SmackDown. I am so glad I did. You and our good friend DJ both got the same text at just about the same time, all capital letters. Uh, Carrie and F and cross is back. And I, <laughs> <laughs> his music hit and I, I'm just sitting here like, no, no way. And then he comes out and he blindsides Drew McIntyre just brilliant and the fact that he's not wearing some kind of bizarre spartan gimmick that is he's back to his nxt carrying cross i i probably am one of the happiest people that he is back on the roster uh this is another show and another time but times you were most upset with the product and his time where he was pushed to the moon in NXT was unbeatable and then went and lost to Jeff Hardy in about 90 seconds in his main roster debut. That's easily top five for me. Let's visit that another show another time. So happy he is getting his real quote-unquote chance and look at all the potential matchups you have there. You have a, a viable contender at Roman. You've got someone for Drew. Yep. You've got someone for Riddle down the road. I mean, oh, the, the, the matchups are going to be fun and endless. Cody, when he gets back in the picture, it's going to be a good thing. It's going to be a good thing. And, and I want to say something to that degree. 
Um, I read earlier today that WWE is, or not WWE, USA Network, I'm sorry. USA Network is kind of, well, quite frankly, upset that they don't have a main title. So the rumor that I heard, the possibility, is that Cross, who, the other thing about that, Scarlet coming back with him, just had to be, it had to be that way. She put the hourglass in the ring, just like his NXT run, saying, I'm next to to Roman Reigns, but I think what they're going to do, and I'll be interested to see if they do it and how they do it, is have Karrion Cross challenge for just one title and then move him to Raw. Yeah, and, you know, hey, money talks, right, Wiz? Money talks, and right here you've got a company coming to you and saying, hey, Three hours of programming a week, Cable's number one episodic rated show, blah, 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 and the champion's not on it. I would feel a little slighted. Uh, we, we have seen in the past where Fox has kind of been the squeaky wheel that got the grease and got some stuff that they wanted, so maybe this is going to be good. I don't know about the interim title in the world of professional wrestling. I get it in the world of fight sports, you're going to have injuries pop up all the time. And, and you're going to as well in the world of professional wrestling. I, I Right, wrong, or indifferent, I don't like it. I don't hate it. But if they're going to do it, it's a fresh idea uh, for WWE. And it's definitely going to keep me coming back and watching. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I, think, I think since we're talking about Karrion Cross's return, we're talking about SmackDown. Uh, one of the big things that I want to mention is under Vince, you had so many words that, no, absolutely do not say this or you're fired, pretty much. Uh, now that Vince is retired, you're starting to see SmackDown played this a, a few times where you're starting to see words creep out back in. So one of the biggest things, they're, they're not wrestlers, they're sports entertainers. Heard both Michael Cole Pat McAfee, say the word wrestler, say the word wrestling at least once during SmackDown, if not multiple times. I think that is a big influence, obviously, of Triple H, and I think that's a good thing, because at the end of the day, that's what we're watching, is professional wrestling. Yes, it is sports entertainment, I get that, but it's always been professional wrestling since the Territory days, since before the Territory days. Yes, and I... I totally agree with you, and it's good to reference history. I went back and watched SummerSlam again, and they've referenced table ladders and chairs from 2000, and they talk about Jeff and Matt Hardy. They talk about Bubba Ray and Devon Dudley, and they talk about Edge and Christian. I mean, it's okay to acknowledge history. During the Usos match, they they uh, recognized that Rikishi is their father, you know, so it, it, it's stuff like that. It's like you know, fans know it. Just go ahead and just go ahead and acknowledge it, okay? And I think we're in a better time now where people are are more accepting of that stuff. And and why not? There, there's a history to this. Uh, no matter how goofy uh, pro wrestling gets or is, there is a history to it. And fans really take an ache into that history and, and and kind of stick up and respect that. Oh, for sure. And you can't you can't not look at the history of things. I mean, we were talking last week about Roman Reigns title reign, his 700 plus days. Now I, I don't have the exact number in front of me offhand, but we talked about previous champions and their reign, the Pedro Morales, the Bob Backlands, the Hulk Hogan's, which we'll get to in a little bit. That's a key topic for tonight. Uh, But like, and the big one, Bruno San Martino, you have to look at history and you have to acknowledge that history to move forward because that is the basis for your product. Well, totally. I mean, you have to acknowledge the history, knowledge of history, the history keeps it going. And as we talk about history, I'm sitting here laughing because I've got raw on in the background, no spoilers or anything. But they are going down. They're giving a big historic video package on the United States Championship. Past champions from other companies and showing other people. 
you didn't have that before. The U.S. Championship, the Intercontinental no. Championship were afterthoughts before. Good to see this. And I wasn't trying to trump what you were saying, but eh, they're they're recognizing the history of the U.S. Championship, and they've showed all the greats that have won it. Uh, right before is now uh, uh, they're heading to the U.S. match. But I love to see stuff like that. And I think most wrestling fans do. Let's let's admire the history. Let's respect it, and let's talk about it because uh, right, wrong, and different. People are going to look it up anyways. But it's it's good as a whole to have, you know, Big Brother acknowledge the history too. Oh, for sure. And <clears throat> I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. I can't wait to watch it. I've got raw recording. Uh, I did jump in for about five minutes before you and I connected. Uh, saw the start of the show, just Bailey and crew coming out eo and dakota but i didn't get much further than that because i was getting things set up and i got got everything logged in so i turned it off i'll watch it after work tomorrow night uh, probably won't avoid spoilers knowing me but i'm not i'm not upset about that in today's day and age it's hard to it's but hard to if, if you want to you can but man it's really hard and the fact that you you're saying they're running this video package acknowledging the past that just that makes me feel good because it makes me feel like we're finally going in the right direction and it's not just one man's playground like it has been for the past three decades correct this is going to be it's going to be something else i know i i'm excited i'm excited for this match um you know, and there's so much more left of Raw. I haven't, I, I came in about mm, the top of hour number two, didn't see anything of hour one. So I'm excited to go back and watch that. I've avoided spoilers as well. All I've seen is what's been on while we've been uh, uh, talking and doing the show here. But yeah, I'm glad history is kind of like, it's kind of like found itself back into it again. And like it didn't skip a beat and everybody's like, oh, it's back. Okay. It's kind of refreshing. You know, and how many times have you turned into a wrestling show recently? And it's refreshing, entertaining, but is it refreshing? And that's refreshing. Hey, we're acknowledging this now. Okay, good. And it seems that other wrestlers now are getting their names back that I'm reading. Uh, so that's good too. You know, let's give these guys their identities back. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. It's not on our list, though. It's not on our outline, but that's a great, great mention because yeah, that's felt- something else I read today. Is yeah. uh, T Bar? Yes. That's not who he is. That is not who T Bar is. Best known on NXT is Dominic Dijakovic, and it looks like he is being repackaged back to be more like his NXT uh, persona. Yeah, a guy who could, a guy who could go in there. He had some solid programs, I believe. He he and Keith Lee went back and forth, and then I can't imagine. Yeah, I can't remember uh, Dijakovic's other uh, run that he had, but he had a good run of matches. I know with Lee, uh, the guy that I was thinking about, and I know it wasn't on our it wasn't on our show notes. But I'm like, man, this is a change that's going on. Is on hell, on hell got his name back. He is now on hell Gar- Garza. Okay. I mean, yeah, there's a million on hells. I mean, he's on hell Garza, and it's he gets his name back. So. I, I can imagine Triple H is walking into the men's and the women's locker rooms like Oprah giving out cars, and you get your name back, and you get your name back, and you get your name back. But they they should. I, I yeah, I I don't understand. I, I understand if they have to change their name for real name's sake and they want to get licensing. But right, like like theory. He was do- you know, he was like he was Dominic Dijakovic in NXT. That's how the fans knew him. Now he's going to be somebody else. Like. I didn't like that one bit. I, I got to think that they didn't like it either. No, for sure. And, you know, to kind of get back on track, somebody else that is on our list that we have to absolutely touch down on that sounds like he's getting repackaged back to his NXT name, male maxim, maximum male models, Max Dupree. Thank God we're going to go back to LA Knight if the rumors are true. I hope so. Um, and I hope on his way back to becoming L.A. Knight, he gets to s- just destroy this gimmick. However bad it is, the vignettes do make me laugh. I'm going to be completely honest. They make me laugh. So they're not – they're bad, but 
they're funny bad. But no, yeah. let that guy be himself. Who was L.A. Knight? The you fans hated great. him. The fans hated yeah. him. They loved him. They hated him. They 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 find passion with this guy, whether it's against him or for him. He moves. I hate to steal one here from the the bloodline, but he's a needle mover. Uh, yeah. Eli Drake, L.A. Knight. He's a needle mover. Like. Go back and watch the feud with him and Cameron Grimes from NXT last summer. I was just uh, talking about that with a couple people earlier today. When NXT, you know, when they were um, at the pool together and uh, LA Knight was trying to teach Grimes how to be a millionaire since Grimes just fell into his money. That was great stuff. The match I didn't care for because I was drawn in by everything else. Well, I was drawn in by L.A. LA Knight. L.A. Knight was who made that storyline. No knock on Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes is funny, but I thought L.A. Knight was the glue that made that thing go. Oh, I can can agree with that. But I also want to give credit to Cameron Grimes because he can hold his own. I think he's got a – since he's taken on this money gimmick and kind of branched off from that in more recent times – He's really come into his own. He's got some great in-ring skills, uh, some great moves that are just amazing that I know aren't all on him. But he recently had a feud with Braun Breaker. I didn't watch very much of it, but I did watch the match that him and Breaker had. And he's a talent that I think we need to watch out for. And LA Knight, I think, is what was a catalyst to bringing that out of Cameron Grimes. Yeah, you... When I look at L.A. Grimes, it's not a knock on L.A. Grimes, and it's not a knock on the guy I'm going to bring up, but I kind of look at L.A. Grimes like I do The Miz. I think you could throw either one of those guys in there with anybody, and the match is going to work because they can adapt to the style of whomever's in there. Okay? If you threw Miz in there with Bobby Lashley, it's going to look good. Miz is going to be able to fight a Bobby Lashley match. And pull it off. I think the same of L.A. Knight. Now, maybe not right now, but someday L.A. Knight can be on Bobby Lashley's level. But L.A. Knight has that capability, in my opinion. Okay, yeah, I'm with you. I'm glad you brought up The Miz. I think I I can see your parallels there for sure, 100%. Uh, The Miz has always been one of my unsung hero favorite performers. Hands down. I'm going to just say it. He's the top heel in the company, in my opinion. And he doesn't need to be in the title picture. He doesn't need to be in the main event to carry the crowd and to make them feel how he wants them to feel. And I think LA Knight has that potential too. Can I put my fantasy booking hat on for one second? Absolutely. Could you imagine if Flair and the Horseman or some incarnation of the Horseman were still around? My angle would be Miz would be trying to get into the Horseman. Look at me. I'm Hollywood. I've got the good looking wife. I've got the, you know, I've been on all the movies, but like the horseman would never let, allow him in because he was just the Miz. He was annoying. You know, that, that'd be a great storyline. I think. He's like the, the fly on the butt of the horseman to pun completely yes. intended right there. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh man. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. But that, that, that's uh decades apart but man you're right Miz is the top he is the top heel well I mean if you want to say Roman Reigns but Roman Reigns is on another level of a run right now but you're right the Miz is the top heel on the company yeah I mean can yeah you're completely right you can make an argument for Roman I could even make an argument for Seth Rollins but Seth Rollins his thing he just goes out there and is just, you can tell he is having fun, uh, just having a complete blast doing what he's doing. And he's so over because of his in-ring work and because of his music and everything. But he doesn't have that commanding presence in the way The Miz does. He does have a commanding presence, don't get me wrong. But The Miz just brings that hatred out in the audience. You you mentioned the local guy, and, and I know you don't want me going off the railroad tracks here much, but I'm going to here because food for thought here. 
I read an article the other day that stated that Seth Rollins has surpassed Shawn Michaels when it comes to in-ring performance and that we need to acknowledge him, that he has moved past Mr. WrestleMania. Okay. Uh, let me digest that for a second. Because but I, I said that out loud. I said that out loud. I know you're like, man, don't don't go off the show plan. Don't go off the show plan, Nick. I'm like, no, 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 no. You said Seth Rollins. A light went off in my head, and I read that article. And I'm like, hmm. And I'm not going to say what was said in the article, but, man, I'm telling you, they, they made some good claims. They made some good claims. And I – part of me wants to agree with you. I love Seth Rollins. I know him to a small level where I wouldn't call this even acquaintances, but I've had several interactions with him before he went to the WWE uh, in an interview capacity, in a capacity where – I was writing wrestling reviews. This was 15, 20 years ago. But at the same time, I don't know if I can fully get behind that because Shawn Michaels has always been one of my all-time favorites. I don't yeah. know. I, it's, it's definitely something to think about. But Shawn Michaels, the fact that he left for four years and came back, 10 times, 100 times stronger than he was when he left, I can't put that aside. I can't put aside the matches with The Undertaker, Triple H, Ric Flair that he's had, especially the WrestleMania matches, Chris Jericho. He is, <laughs> and I'm not knocking Seth Rollins. He's brilliant. I just don't know that I can quite put him above Shawn Michaels right now. Okay. But I, I don't have a problem with you bringing it up. I think that's great. I think that's something we need to do more is, you know, when we do branch off occasionally, have those types of things where, you know, we're not, maybe we're not on the same level, but we're or on the same page. But I think that's a great discussion. I think it's something we can focus on at another time for sure, uh, because we are getting a little bit off. I want to get into our main topic of the day since we're about 20 minutes in talking about main roster new or new product which i didn't want to spend that much time but at the same time that a lot of good stuff was brought up so i think let's put a pin in that let's come back to that in a in a, in a future episode because i think that's a great topic we we'll just put a pin in it uh so you know kind of branching away we've talked a lot about new product i think triple h's influence is hugely very slowly but very largely coming into play with everything we've talked about but one of the aspects that i'm going to really love about this show is i'm big on nostalgia i like going back we talked about it off the air yesterday you know i pick a year or i pick a storyline that i love and i go back and i'll rewatch it uh, but today what we're talking about the main point of what what we're going to talk about i think is really what got us started in in wrestling what brought us into uh into the show and i know we've got an outline here we both kind of have a lot of parallels i think with uh the main thing that first started me in wrestling and you you have saturday night's main events in your note i think that that's great i think we're going to have a lot of interaction in there uh, but i mean i'll just kick it off uh Really, for me, going into wrestling, there are probably eras for me where I started watching, and then I had a gap. And then I started watching again, and there was another gap. Uh, I'm going to talk about the first two, two start points for me. And the earliest I had to start, oh, I lost you, Nick. Uh, not sure what happened. Give stand by. I'm going to try and get him back. Maybe he he lost connection. I'm going to just resend him the show link. I apologize.
Bull, can you hear me? The Wizard. Weird uh, stuff happening here. But we're back together. Weird stuff. I apologize. I'm not sure if I lost connection and it completely kicked us both out. I uh, was watching the, the stream. Uh, you disappeared. And then my phone just went all wonky and lost cellular oh, connection wonky. for a minute. We're here. We're here. Okay. <laughs> but we're, we're here. back. We're back. <laughs> yeah. We... Um, you were talking about what got us into wrestling, and I'm not going to steal what you said, but I think we're similar in age. So I, but I think we got different likes, even though we have similar ages. So I can't wait to see where you go. Yeah, and I'm excited for the same reason. Since we're both, I mean, you and I both said yesterday, uh, or yesterday last week, uh, we both went on. Hey, I'm 42. My name's Chris. I'm a wrestling addict. You said basically the same thing. So, so yeah, we're right in that same range of when we started and for me i go back to 1988 that is when i first remember watching wrestling nick are you still with me i am sure i am listening okay. to you yep. sorry i apologize the no, no. for a second i want to make sure no I'm you're fine me. you're fine I, I was letting you go down your uh your rabbit hole the story i'm i'm, I'm anxiously waiting and the two eras that I jumped into wrestling revolve around similar parties. So 1988, I remember it was a Saturday night's main event. You've got Hulk versus Andre with the million dollar man in Andre's corner. And I'm going to go out and say it. This was the very first, no offense to the Bella Twins, twin magic shenanigans we've ever seen in wrestling. You've got the title on the line. Hulk Hogan is planning to go away to film a movie. So we have to get the title off of Hogan. Dave Hebner is the referee. Only is he. There is a screwy finish where Hulk loses the belt to Andre. And then immediately hands it to the million dollar man. And this is really where I start getting into things. Um, Ted DiBiase is stripped of the title. We get to WrestleMania four, the big tournament and macho man comes away with the title. I love macho man. Randy Savage always have always will same with Hulk Hogan. And for me, the biggest memory I have is when those two combine themselves, you've got Randy Savage with the title. You've got Hulk Hogan coming back from filming his movie and the mega powers, the over-exaggerated handshake, the, <laughs> the madness coming with the Hulkamaniacs. Uh, I I took some time today that I had I had a little free time that I wasn't expecting to have. So I took some time. I went back to SummerSlam 88, watched their big tag match against the Mega Bucks. Uh, that was brilliant. Took a little more time. Uh, watched the tail end of their partnership which was another Saturday night's main event in February of 89, uh, where I don't know if you remember this. This is a big memory for me because I'm sitting in my living room with my best friend at the time. We're watching uh, Randy Savage flies out of the ring, hits Elizabeth inadvertently. Hogan ditches him to take Elizabeth back to the first aid room and the explosion thereafter the build that year long build to WrestleMania five when the mega powers explode. That is really where, where my story begins. It, and it's a great place to start. I, I'm sitting here smiling as you, as you colorfully uh, dictate these things. And I remember them. I remember all of this. Um, yeah. I remember when Hogan and Andre from Saturday night's main event. I mean, yeah, that's the first time you felt screwed in wrestling it's like uh hey kid, hey kid welcome to wrestling this isn't the last time you're gonna feel this way but uh yeah i remember feeling legitimately pissed off after that show i remember uh you know wrestlemania 4 and then when the mega powers collide you said that's where your journey starts i'm not gonna jump on your journey but i remember i did not have cable until I was in high school and I only had Sunday morning wrestling. So you got like the results a week later. 
I remember the night of WrestleMania five. I had my dad call the radio station, <laughs> which would have been the top 40 station in Davenport at the time to see if they found out who won the, the match between Hogan and Macho Man yet. Okay. And they didn't know. And then when they found out, they announced it. Like I, I heard on the radio that Hulk Hogan beat Macho Man. That is, that is just awesome. <laughs> and you know, it was definitely a different era back then because cable was so new. Nobody, not a lot of people had the, the pay-per-view ability. The, I'm with you. I didn't have I didn't have cable access for when I was that young. It was anything on NBC Saturday nights and Saturday or Sunday morning when when they were showing insert whichever show there. I mean, a lot of my influences when I was doing my brief stint in commentary, my my two or three year run as a as a ring announcer uh, for local wrestling. My inspiration came from how 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 Howard Finkel, Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby Heenan, just the great commentary commentators and announcers from my childhood. Oh, would you just stop? (laughs) (laughs) I wish in my in our older age, I appreciated Heenan. But man, going back and listening to Heenan and Monsoon, those guys—I could listen to those guys all day long. They are such—they were such a treasure. Those guys were—they were comedy gold, and you didn't even know it because we were so young. Now you look back on it, it's like, man, these guys are great. Oh, for sure, Heenan is, and and I'm—I dropped his name last week. Heenan is by far one of the very best to ever graced the business whether he's in that commentary role whether he is behind a wrestler as a manager mouthpiece just hilarious the way he played off with monsoon and later with tony shivani he is just a master there's there's no way around it yeah he was he, he is the best if not one of the best and no one loves seeing, you know, that was the guy you loved seeing get his, was Bobby Heenan finally getting his butt kick, you know, and when he did, oh, he put on a show. It was, it was great. It, it, greatness, I wish he was still with us, but uh, nonetheless, man, he he definitely ref, he left an indelible mark all over the business. He, he really did. And, you know, we're talking about Heenan, we're talking about commentary. I want to mention another commentator from my childhood that stands out for a couple of reasons. Whether he was with Vince McMahon, whether he was with Gorilla Monsoon, Jesse the Body Ventura, also brilliant when he's sitting behind the commentator desk. Oh, always with the body commentating. I guess, you know, I always picked it up on Saturday night's main event. But he always kind of brought the big fight feel with his uh, with his commentary and his voice. You know, it always like it didn't matter who he was teamed up with. Man, I I thought he was great. I thought he was tremendous at what he did, and he was the body. I just watched the body last night. Uh, I watched SummerSlam '99 where he was a special guest referee of the main event between. Uh, I remember that uh, Hogan or not Hogan? Excuse me, Stone Cold, Triple H. And mankind. Yeah. He. What what stands out to me for Ventura though is some of the names he would call people. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that was the same thing with Heenan. Same thing with Heenan. <laughs> fair, fair. But the thing that stands out in my mind, and always every time I hear this wrestler talked about. I think of Jesse Ventura because anytime someone talks about Tito Santana, all I can hear is Jesse's voice, Chico Santana. Yeah, Chico. Chico. <laughs> Go over there and tell Chico Santana not to cheat. Oh, <laughs> oh man. And, you know, I, I mentioned him because he's with McMahon in that main event where the Mega Powers start their their separation 
Uh-huh. And, you know, he's completely justifying everything Macho Man does as he's turning heel. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the body is so good. I I might have to go back and watch that tonight. You know, you've you've triggered you triggered an interest in that. Just just to hear just to hear body you know, talking about Macho Man and all the stuff that Macho Man's had to put off with, I'm guessing, right? Oh, absolutely. And that, you know, that that whole storyline was just masterfully done. You don't see those year-long builds like that anymore. Not to that depth. I mean, okay. They kind of did that when it was Cena versus The Rock. But again, it wasn't to the depth of Hogan losing the title, Macho Man gaining it at WrestleMania, them coming together to partner for, uh, I want to say about three to six months, uh, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, and then the jealous Macho Man, the the looking at Hogan saying, "You've got lust in your eyes. You're jealous <laughs> over me being the Tet champion. You're lusting over Elizabeth." Those two just coming together and ba- banging heads at WrestleMania. That I would love to see something built like that again, where it's it starts even the night after WrestleMania. Some something small that just snowballs for the next year, and then that is the event at WrestleMania. Yeah. I, I, I before that too. I love that kind of stuff. And you're 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 right. It's few and far between to see that anymore. And I think that's because maybe the wrestling company, the TV program, whatever it is, does not have the attention span of the viewer as it did before. No, that's very true. That's a, that's a great. Thing. I know exactly what you mean. I love subtle, long-term storytelling, and when you get a big payoff, it's fun and cool, and that's what that was uh, with Hogan and Macho for sure. And to your point, you know, people don't have as much of an attention span, but at the same time, like we talked about last week when we were touching on Roman's title reign and those who are ahead of him in length in tenure are holding the title. There weren't as many events. It wasn't an every week new product that they were putting out. I mean, it was to an extent, but not to the extent that it is where you have raw, you have SmackDown, you have these two programs that just build week after week after week and a pay-per-view every month, every four to five weeks. You had those long stints between those pay-per-views. I mean, it was WrestleMania, and then 88 was the first SummerSlam. Uh, I'm blanking as to when Survivor Series and Rumble started, but those were the four. You had the Royal Rumble at the beginning of the year, WrestleMania about three to four months later, SummerSlam, You're absolutely. You're absolutely right. You, you... It was more set up for so. Uh, we're talking about long-term storytelling here. And and you're right. Those were the four major ones. Even though it's such a much more different product now than what it was, and I mean pay-per-view each month, you got two TV shows, you got a TV show for your development, it's harder to do that but I also think there's more opportunity to do it. So maybe, you know, if you tried plugging in two or three things that took over a year to tell and not necessarily with the same storyline, I I think you would like the rewards. I think people would be like, Oh, okay. They're investing some time in these guys. Obviously they see something in these guys. I'm going to give these guys a little more time. or I'm going to give these gals a chance. Like, I think when you do that, you get more fans in. I think more fans like that as opposed to the typecast of, uh, I just want to see blood and big high spots and one, two, three. I love the psychology of the match. I love a story being told. And I think if you do that, you're only going to bring more fans in. 
Oh, for sure. And, you know, the only feud that I can think of in recent memory that has really done that, and I, on one hand, really dislike myself for saying this, but on the other hand, it was one of the best storylines of last year, was the build between Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch from SummerSlam last year all the way through they came full circle SummerSlam this year. Sure. And that's something. It went SummerSlam to SummerSlam. Absolutely. That's something that that took a year. And what you had was you had two people that have big followings. Um, it was kind of a 50-50 draw. It wasn't like everybody was on one person's side. Uh so that was that was challenging in that aspect. At the same time, you got two great two great female wrestlers go in there and tell a story and did it three times. And credit credit to big time Bex for working with a separated shoulder and that match still delivered. Um, that's not the last we see of those guys. Uh, you're no. gonna see you're gonna see those two in the ring somewhere down the road. It may not be uh, Six weeks, six months from now, but it, it'll be somewhere down the road. I agree. There's a lot of talent there. Uh, my, Your and my personal feelings about Bianca aside, there's a lot of in-ring talent. They're going to excuse me. Tremendous. You're going to see more out of them as they move along in their careers. But. I kind of want to steer things back on topic a little bit here. <laughs> it was a good tangent. We, we kind of went off. We were talking about the long-term build and it, it led to that. that was, that's great. Uh, but, you know, like I said, for me, when I'm watching wrestling, I go in stints. I'll watch for a number of years. I'll kind of fall away from the product and then I'll get drawn back in. And like, I said the the second point that the second the one that really pulled me in and kept me in the longest, uh, and I'm still watching this today, has to do with Hulk Hogan. One more time, we're gonna go forward in time about eight years, July 1996. You've got Scott Hall, you've got Kevin Nash coming into WCW, acting like they're coming over from WWE, invading, and who's the third man? Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And that whole storyline is what really was like, okay, I'm hooked for life. There's nothing. I will always, even if I miss a year or two of storylines, or even if I'm just watching the pay-per-views for one year, I'm always going to be in wrestling. And it's because of the NWO. Yeah. I don't know if there's a bigger storyline in our lifetime with just the shift you know, Hulk Hogan always being the good guy Hulk Hogan always being in the red and yellow and then wait here comes Razor Ramon and, and, and Diesel like you know I, I as a WWF fan growing up I kind of knew what was going on in WCW but for them to pull the trigger on that at that time and that moment in time, it was genius. And, you know, look what happened. And it changed wrestling history. Oh, it did. But and that would have been, to... that would have been, oh, what, what, I mean, would that be like John Cena turning absolute turncoat heel at the height of his run? Is that what you can liken it to with Hogan doing that? I mean, Absolutely. Hogan had never been a bad guy until then. And he did it so brilliantly. The <laughs> fact that he was, he was the say your prayers, take your vitamins, superhero, red, white, and blue guy to go a complete 180 the way that he did and how he did it just shows how brilliant of a performer he is. And then you had Hall and Nash who took being bad to a whole new cool level. So you have those three making bad cool. I mean, they, they, they definitely 
have their hands on what the industry is today. The NWO definitely is a key part of what happened in pro wrestling history. Yeah, and you have to really take it aside and look at what it forced Vince McMahon to do at the time in the building of factions like Degeneration X, the whole Attitude Era, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Where would we be if Steve Williams, Steve Austin, had not left WCW for WWF? Where would we be if Eric Bischoff had not turned the tables, brought in Holland Nash, turned Hogan heel, where would the wrestling world be? That that was one of those pivotal moments that not only sucked people in, but changed the business forever. Yeah. Yeah. I, there, the NWO launched a lot of things. And it also solidified WCW winning a lot in those Monday Night Wars. It was a while before WWEF1 or whatever you want to call them now, but NWO is huge. Like, you can't look back on wrestling history and factions and not mention the New World Order. I mean, change wrestling as we watch it today. Oh, absolutely. Now, did they get oversaturated eventually? Sure. Oh, goodness, yes. Everything that's good always gets oversaturated. You're right. It ran its course, and then they split, and then they were the NWO Hollywood and the NWO Wolfpack, and then the uh, the LWO, the Latino World Order, came in there. But that was when WCW was getting running out of ideas. But but for the NWO, definitely um, is huge, and it started back there in '96. Was that Bash at the Beach, uh, Wizard? Yes, 1996 uh, Bash at the Beach. Who's the third man? Who was it? It was Hogan. <laughs> now, I want your opinion on something because sure. I'm on the fence about this. Hogan comes out at Bash at the Beach and the commentators are just, it's Hulk Hogan, he's coming to help. And Bobby Heenan, is. does it spoil the whole night when Bobby Heenan says, yeah, but whose side is he on? Um... I don't know. I guess. I don't know. I guess hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? But I never thought of it before. That, I guess Heenan. I guess Heenan. I don't know. Did he? Did Heenan have cause to ask? Well, I think the reason Heenan said that is because of Heenan's ongoing feud with just with Hulk Hogan in general. I mean, sure. I, don't, I don't remember what their disposition with each other was behind the scenes, but Heenan has always been opposed to Hulk Hogan since WWF days from the get go. And I think that's where that comment stems from, but it's much different if you're sitting in the crowd, watching Hogan come in, drop the leg on macho man, Randy Savage, than it is if you're sitting at home, Hogan comes in and Heenan drops that line. Then you're like, wait, what? Sure. Well, I, I don't know. I, 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 you know what? It never spoiled it for me. What's I guess that? I never, it never spoiled it for me. And I don't feel like it did for me either, but it's something that I've heard discussed and I just wanted your opinion on that. No, I think Keenan being the, you know, antagonistic color commentary guy has to ask that. So, no, it doesn't ruin it for me. And I, I think that's fair. I mean, I can see how some people could argue that, but I'm, I'm, I'm on the same page with you. I don't think it ruined it, but it just kind of was one of those comments that, as I look back on it, when I... I don't. I don't think I had the paper. Watched the pay per view live. I'm. I'm 99 sure I did not. But when I look back on it now and I hear that comment, I'm thinking, how did this not spoil the whole angle that night? For those watching at home, it's a good question. I don't even know what the buy rate was for that show, but yeah, it's a good question. Um, 
<laughs> I, I did not watch that live. I was not watching live that night either. So, but uh, it's a good question. Yeah. And I think it's something that's going to be debated forever, honestly. There's a lot of things that will be debated in the sport forever. That's, <laughs> <laughs> we could have we could have multiple episodes on things that will always debate it, be debated. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean the that comment, the Montreal screw job. There's so many things that you can look back and say, "Hey," <laughs> and I, I digress. We'll we'll move past that. We'll save those for another time, but. Hey, I'm trying to stay on. I'm trying to stay on the plan here. <laughs> and I mean, you know, the only other thing that I have, I've already mentioned. You know, the NWO. You wouldn't have the Attitude Era without that. Um, I think the Attitude was the big changing factor. Obviously, the deciding factor for WWF, WWE, whichever you want to call it, winning the Monday Night Wars. And I think it really brought out the best in a lot of talent. I mean, look at who all came out of that era. Um, oh, for sure. Are, for sure. That are either in the Hall of Fame or should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I can just name off the top of my head, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kurt Angle. And that's just, that's just a few people. The Rock, Undertaker. Brett the Hitman Hart, Edge and Christian. Uh, did you say Triple H? Yep. Um, there's so many. Owen oh, Hart was in there. Uh, there's so many. Yeah, that's the topic that I want to hit on at some point, but don't get yeah. me started right now. No, 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 no. We're just, but yeah, there were a lot of stars. <laughs> there were a lot of stars that uh, took that. Uh, took that opportunity and ran with it for sure. Oh, when absolutely. Yeah, that you are you are one hundred percent correct there because there was so much opportunity and so many people. Not just one person stands out grabbing that brass ring. Pretty much everybody who went through the Attitude Era came out on the other side as a first ballot Hall of Famer, hands down. And there's a lot of guys we're not even mentioned. I'm just thinking about like, uh, look like a guy like JBL, you know, who was like a tag team, a tag team guy uh, through the Attitude Area and then became a single star afterwards during like the Ruthless Aggression Era was a world champion. So there's yeah. a lot of people that, uh, that uh, wrestled during the Attitude Era that, uh, that turned out, you know, even bigger afterwards. No, absolutely. You, it, it's, it's such a, it was such a groundbreaking time, not just for the people who were headlining it, but for those who were in the mid card or lower building them for the next generation. Oh, for sure, man. For sure. For sure. And I think, you know, honestly, where I'm sitting, I'm looking at our, our little outline here. I, I feel I've talked enough <laughs> about my, my start. I know we talked a little bit about yours, but I'm anxious to hear what, what brought you, where you started, what, uh, what stands out to you as the, that one moment that said, Hey, this is, this is something I'm going to love forever. I think, you know, I, I spoke earlier and said that I was pretty limited on what I, I could see. A lot of mine was like Saturday night's main event or you hurried home after church and saw wrestling. And I really remember like WrestleMania six and Macho, or excuse me, not Macho man, but Hulk Hogan, ultimate warrior, you know, yes. the ultimate challenge. Right. And, you know, that was the first time we really saw a face and a face uh, at that, at least for me at that age. Um, so I remember the build to that being just, just huge. It was like you liked both guys. It didn't matter to me who won, but it was just such a weird thing at the time. You'd never seen anything like it. So that that I mean, I remember the build to that. You know, the, the huge build to WrestleMania for that. 
uh, every Saturday morning, you know, one last week towards WrestleMania, and you got updated on what was going on in that storyline. So I, I will always remember that um, uh, for sure. You talk about the Attitude Era. For me, um, I was always a WWF guy, and, and it was Austin. I mean, whatever Austin did, you had to watch, whether it was a pay-per-view or, or on Raw. And I did have cable in high school uh, when, when Austin, Austin was in, and I was in high school and in college. And I remember having to go to the cable company and getting the cable box to have to rent the pay-per-view like, and then returning the cable box on Monday morning. Like I remember watching like WrestleMania 14 that way, WrestleMania 15 that way. Um, I remember watching other pay-per-views like that. King of the ring. 98 is one of those that I'll never forget. Um, I don't think anyone will, but I watch a lot of pay-per-views that way. And a lot of those were because of stone cold and, and the impact that he had, um, and for sure, and, I, and I've taken wrestling off here and there. Um, you know, the recent edition of AEW, it's a different product. And, and I, I've watched most of that from the start. Took a few weeks off here and there after the passing of Brody Lee. Um, but I'm just a big fan of tag team wrestling. I always have been. That's my number one thing. I love tag team wrestling. And, and they really showcase it on, on AEW. And they got a loaded tag division. And, and that's why I like them. I mean, the other wrestling is just icing on the cake, but I've always been a tag team wrestling fan. I've always been critical uh, when companies don't use tag team wrestling like the WWE. And uh, I don't know. I, I just like, to me, when there's a, ta- a good tag team match going, that's five moving parts when you count the referee. You know, that's and then cool. more moving parts, yes, more can go wrong. But man, when it's pulled off right, it's a beautiful thing. Um, and that's that's what's really kind of brought me into wrestling. I, I love the, I love the nostalgia of it, the presentation of it. I love going back. Uh, I think I told you off the air. I was going back and watching, you know, like the Clash of the Champions, uh, yeah. the old Clash of the Champions, and I love the presentation. I love. We both worked in, in in TV production, and I love the presentation. I love the graphics. Um, I've always loved the pageantry of wrestling, the entrances, the music. That's the best part of wrestling to me. I, I love the entering action. Don't get me wrong, but it's all the lead up and then the post. You know, it's it it's it's the pageantry. Like I said, love title belts. I love I love the old graphics on shows and stuff like that. That's I just love it. And, and going back and seeing that old stuff, it, it takes a trip down memory lane. And, makes you think where you were when this was going on. And it also opens to me a whole bunch of wrestling I've never seen in my life because I didn't have cable television. I wasn't privy to it. So uh, I love watching um, particularly old NWA, WCW stuff, stuff I never knew about growing up as a kid. You would see it on wrestling magazines and stores, but I never saw it on TV, so I never knew anything about it. And that's the one thing that I love about the WWE Network and now Peacock is they've got this massive library that you can go back and you can watch all these brilliant matches. I mean, just the the 80s alone with Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, that whole rivalry, Terry Funk. There's a lot of good stuff out there that is so nice to have access to. Um, on that note, I also want to mention back when Tony Khan announced that he bought ROH, there was talk, there were rumors about a partnership with, I want to say HBO Max to bring uh, the AEW and the ROH library onto a streaming service. I'm waiting for that to happen because there is so much in ROH. Uh, I didn't watch AEW for probably the first two years. I'm only just now getting into it in the last six months. So there's a lot of stuff that I'd love to go back in that company and watch as well as, you know, ROH especially because you and I have been to a couple of ROH shows together. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of people who are big names in the industry that went through there that I'd love to just revisit their matches. So I really hope that like the WWE, Tony Khan finds a way to get, ROH and AEW their own or partner with a streaming service so we can go back and watch watch their old stuff. Yeah, 
I totally agree. Uh, but if you want to go back and watch some of that early stuff, I've got a whole tote of ROH DVDs you can go through if you want. Yeah, I might take you up on that. Cause <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember the event. We talked about Claudio last week. Uh, one of my best memories of going to any ROH show was it was in Dayton, Ohio. I was with my friend Josh at the time. Yeah. Um, Age of the Fall was still a thing. Jimmy Jacobs, Tyler Black, Delirious. Uh, I was wearing the cap, the Age of the Fall cap that, that I had bought at the show. I started uh-huh. mouthing off to Claudio. He looks over me and says, shut up with your stupid hat. And that's and, your brush. And that's your brush with fame with the Ring of Honor champion. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I think we need to put a pin in this episode, Nick. We've been talking for a little over an hour. Oh, yeah. Um, we could go on. We could go on and on and on. But, yeah, for sure, dude, for sure. This was a good one, man. I, I agree. I, I had a lot of fun. And I put it on you over the weekend here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot. What are we going to talk about next week? Here's what we're going to talk about next week. I brought up Clash of the Champions tonight. I'm going to talk to you about a couple of those things. And we're going to talk about the severe misuse of – AEW's Battle with the Belts. I'm going to give a brief overview of the three Battle of the Belts, and we're going to talk maybe, hey, let's book something big for this fourth Battle of the Belt coming up. So we're going to talk a little bit about the old Clash, about the Battle of the Belts. I'm sure there's going to be some stuff come up this week, but that's going to be my number one thing to talk about next week. And I know one thing that, you know, we, we do always touch on the, the current product. One thing that I'm going to want to want to talk about is Moxley versus Jericho. I think just looking ahead, that match is going to be the best match of the show on Dynamite this week. I'm looking forward to it, uh, but yeah, I'm anxious to to hear. And you'll have to uh, you'll have to send me a send me a couple of Clash of the Champions that I can watch because I am not very versed in Clash of the Champions. It's something that I haven't really gone back and watched. But it's something that I wanted to. So you'll have to send me a couple good ones that I should watch. Oh, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Uh, I can absolutely do that. I'll get that information to you off air. But, yeah, I, that's what I'm looking forward to next week. Uh, obviously, whatever happens big news-wise between now and then, we'll cover. But uh, you can put that on the map. We're going to look at Clash of Champions uh, and Battle of the Belts. Well, I will uh, – I will – yeah, I'll – as soon as it lets me edit my outline here, I'll I'll put that as a title, and you and I can go back and forth. I'm I'm excited. I think that'll be a great, another great show. Hey, I am too. I am too for sure. Uh, one last thing on my end here. I meant to do it off the top of the show. Got to give a big shout out to my buddy Joe Winkle over at the. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna have to look up. Uh, I'm blanking. My, my brain is not working on the name of his podcast. He's part of the Four Frequencies Sake Network, though. Uh, great podcast talking all about sports. The Educated Ignorance Pod Show, or as I like to call it, Joey Winky and the Boys. <laughs> so hey, I want to thank you for shouting us out pet. last week. Hey, and, that, and we appreciate it. You keep your pet names to yourself. <laughs> okay. Now, <laughs> All right, fair enough. Is, is, is DJ going to listen to this? I don't think he listened to our first one. I think he says he does, but he doesn't. <laughs> well, you, I lost you there for a second. Say that one more time. I was going to say, do you think our friend DJ is going to listen to this? He says he listens, but I don't think he does. Well, uh, I think it's hit and miss. Uh, he said he listened to at least part of last week, so maybe he will. Oh, maybe I know he, he does. I just love giving him a hard time It's it, because it's easy. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And we'll have to have him on for one of our discussions at some point, if he's willing and has time. <laughs> I oh, think maybe, he's, uh, a very busy maybe he's a very busy man. He is. He's all over the place. Uh, but, you know, we wouldn't be here without him, so got to give no, him a we're very very, very thankful uh, for the opportunity, that is for sure. Completely agree. All right, Mr. Bull, I am uh, I'm excited for next week, and I look forward to talking with you here and going another round for, uh, for the, the world at large. Absolutely. As always, card is subject to change, 
but uh, stay tuned for next week. Looking forward to it, Mr. Wizard. We'll see you then. All right, and uh, just so you know, we do have our own Twitter page. It is CSTC Podcast on Twitter. Uh, I am at the Wizard C to Z. Uh, Nick, I believe is at is Nick underscore Bull fifty or not no underscore. <laughs> Nick uh, at Nick at Nick Bull fifty five. Uh, so shout us out on social media, and we look forward to any feedback you have, and we'll talk to y'all next week.